Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time right now where we can gather together as a body and uh, sit under your scripture and your word. I pray that you open our ears and minds and hearts to hear during this time, teach us, remind us, encourage us. May this time be yours. Amen. I stared at my phone last week and I was slowly reading a message from a good friend and a donor expressing they were unable to give towards an opportunity we had discussed previously about our ministry. And I've been connecting folks with ways to get involved with our ministry for the last 10 years and so moments like this are not completely foreign. But as I read the message slowly, I'll admit that I was somewhat surprised and shocked and maybe even a little disappointed Because leading up to that moment, several things had happened that led me to believe this was a shoe-in. Everything was adding up. I thought the circumstances could not have been any more perfect. So why did things not go as planned? We've all been in that boat before. There's that thing that you think is going to go exactly like this. But it ended up going exactly the opposite. Maybe you prayed about it. Maybe you told a friend about it. Maybe you prayed a lot about it. Maybe even fasted about it. And you had all but signed off on the fact that it would go exactly as planned and then something changed. The weight of the message from this donor hit deeper than normal because it was in the midst of a difficult season. It wasn't just a big blow but it felt like yet another blow in what was already a long series of challenges. And so I sat there wondering what to do. And as I sat there wondering, I noticed a country song playing faintly in the background, and I couldn't help but smile as I made out the lyrics. I won't sing it like a country singer, but it said, Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Ain't nobody's got to worry about nothing. Don't go hitting the panic button. It ain't worth spilling your drink. Everything's going to be all right. (laughs) And to really drive it home, I open up my email seconds later, and the devotional for that day was titled, Give Thanks to God in the Midst of Trials. That was not the devotional I wanted to read that morning And it was citing Thessalonians 5.18, encouraging me that it is God's will for us to give thanks in all circumstances. Maybe the timing of that email and the song were coincidence, or maybe God has a sense of humor. But either way, I did want to throw my phone at the speaker in that moment, and I wanted to hit delete on that email. That or cry or give up. In the moment, all I could think about was the overwhelming season that I was in. And some of you hearing that can relate. Maybe you're in the middle of that kind of season right now. Maybe you've just finished that season. Maybe you're unknowingly about to enter that season. My prayer today is that these words and through this scripture, God would bring comfort to those needing comfort, inspire gratitude for those needing to give thanks, 
and prepare those needing preparation. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you become mature and complete, lacking nothing. I remember the first Bible verse that I ever memorized came from these first lines of James. It was my seventh grade Bible study and I was probably doing it more for the prize awarded to those who could memorize the entire first chapter. But I memorized it nonetheless and these verses have stuck with me. And for the longest time I found the paradox of pure joy amidst trials to be something very difficult to comprehend. Why would scripture pit these two ideas next to each other? When I'm in the midst of a trial, the last thing I want to do is give joy or give thanks. Or even better, sometimes I might think I'm being joyful in the face of challenges, but in reality, it's not actually happening. It makes me think of little kids. You've probably seen this before. We ask them to do something or we ask them to imitate And although they think they are doing it perfectly, in reality, it's far from the truth. For example, my son Leo, I just taught him how to flex his muscles. And so I put my hands up and I gave a good manly grunt. And then he would try to do the same. And when he did it, he thought he was doing it. But it looked very different from what I was doing. He had his arms down here by his side and his face looked the part and he was making the noises, but it wasn't really flexing his muscles. And I wonder if that's what God is thinking sometimes as he's watching us, exhorting us to do something like considerate joy when we face trials. We try to do it and sometimes we believe with our whole heart We're doing it well, but in reality, it's often much more difficult. For me personally, there's one person that comes to mind when I think of these verses in James. An unassuming character, but someone who I think embodies these verses, who has allowed trials to refine her faith into something more mature and complete. On the path to our house in Honduras, there was a significant hill. So significant, in fact, that my wife and I called this Death Hill. Now, the Honduran tradition of sweet bread every morning and corn tortillas every other meal definitely did not help our efforts up Death Hill. But we had to go up this hill every day to and from work to the market back home from the market. It was impossible to avoid. And so I used various strategies to distract myself with the pain that came with this hill. Sometimes I would just try and run up. I would enforce my drive and my own strength just to get it done. Sometimes I would help out and I would push my wife up the hill. I would get behind her to make it easier on her, distracting myself by focusing on helping others. But the ultimate test 
was always trying to hold a conversation as I was going up the hill. Pretending that I was all good when in fact I was exhausted. And none of these strategies ever worked. That might sound familiar. Similar to the way we all use various strategies to distract ourselves with the pain that comes with the hill we are on right now. Or distracting ourselves from the fear and worry when we look at the hill in front of us. So as I struggled up this hill with my various strategies to make it easier, I began to notice something ironic. I noticed the same elderly woman, about 50 years my senior, chugging up and down this hill every Sunday night. And despite her age, she navigated these cobblestone streets like an expert. She'd obviously undergone a lifetime of challenges, and I would always wonder what it was that filled the days of her youth. Maybe it was hauling firewood on an already frail back, or endless hours in the kitchen grinding corn and making tortillas, or the unique pressures of living on dollars per day. But despite those hardships and trials, her joy was impossible to miss. She would inch down the hill, and with some effort, she would tilt her head to every passerby and present one of the most beautiful smiles I'd ever seen. And she was always there, up and down, every Sunday night. And I was intrigued as to why she was out so late. And I quickly gathered that she was on her way to and from Mass. I'd be surprised if she ever missed a Sunday. Up and down Death Hill with a body that was surely meant to retire from that kind of activity. But she climbed up and down every Sunday. And she had found a strategy that worked. She had learned about the importance of consistently going to the source that fills our soul. The source that affords us to find joy even when the circumstances around us say that doesn't make sense. She had learned that her joy is not determined by the size of the hill in front of her. Now, I'm not saying that going to church is what replaced her worries with joy, although this kind of community and formation definitely helps. I'm saying that her consistent devotion to intimately knowing Jesus is a great example for us in finding joy in a life in Christ, despite the trials we're facing. Her smile was unforgettable and she blessed it with me every week. A couple of years ago, I thought about this Catholic church lady and the verses of James as I needed a reminder and some encouragement in my own life. At a routine appointment, about halfway through our first pregnancy, we got news that we needed to see a prenatal specialist. That was definitely not how we had planned things. We had planned to have a minimally invasive first child 
midwife, quick recovery, smiles, and before we knew it, our time was being consumed with doctor visits, medical terms that we had never heard before, and praying that our son would not have a rare and fatal genetic abnormality. I didn't know what to do, and I felt really insufficient as a Christian if I believed anything short of complete healing, yet at the same time I had plenty of doubts and fears of my own. I had to learn how to accept that if Leo was not healed, then I would be okay, but at the same time pray as if that was the only option. I had to learn and accept that my identity was not based in having a typically healthy son. My identity, my love for God was not based on having a typically healthy son. Yet at the same time, believing and persevering in the direction that I desired. Leo was ultimately born healthy and had some treatable health issues. He had a condition that required open heart surgery at three months, cleft lip at six months, cleft palate repair at nine months, but he's living a great life and he's doing great now. I share that not to show that my prayers were strong enough or good enough, but I share that to show part of my learning as I wrestle with the fact that my joy and faith cannot be dependent on things going exactly as I planned. I share that story because we did want to give up. We wanted to stop praying. We might have even stopped pursuing God at times. But he never stopped pursuing us. And persevering was worth it. God was with us in that trial. And we were able to find joy despite the trial. Our faith became more mature and complete through the trial. So what season do you find yourself in right now? Why is it worth it to persevere? Why is it worth it to keep going even if life is falling apart or the challenge before us seems insurmountable? Every year we take a group of our youth to climb the the tallest mountain in Honduras. It's called Mount Salake. And most of the teens who go on this trip have not traveled much outside of the very close proximity of their own home. So this trip is always completely out of their comfort zone. It's their first time camping, their first time thinking through what to put in a backpack. It's definitely their first time not having corn tortillas for every meal. And after a few long days of hiking food that they don't like, the rain, the mosquitoes, general physical exhaustion. On this particular trip, everyone was done with the idea of reaching the top. They didn't care how far they had come, how much they had prepared. They didn't care how much was left. They were finished. Maybe their feeling of giving up was similar to how I felt when my friend was unable to support me. Maybe their feeling of exhaustion was similar to the church lady who doubted whether she could make it up Death Hill one more Sunday. 
Maybe their temptation of abandoning hope was similar to my fear of mustering up one more prayer that Leo's health issues would be healed. Maybe their feeling is similar to your feeling right now. Our small group of teenagers had all but turned their backs and headed back down the hill when they heard shouts of rejoice from a couple friends that had made it a little bit further. Shouts of rejoice saying, we made it, we made it. They were less than a couple hundred yards from the peak and had almost given up without knowing how close they were to the goal. They quickly gathered their packs and scrambled up the remaining part of the path until the peak came into full view. Looking back on it, they laugh about how close they were without knowing it, all while almost giving up. All of them were glad they persevered just a little longer. This morning I'm not attempting to make sense of the idea that we consider it joy in the face of trial. But I am declaring that a pursuit of a life more intimately connected with our Creator is worth it. He will bring joy, a joy that is not dependent on things going exactly as we planned, not dependent on the things happening around us. God is listening. And the perseverance is worth it so that our our joy may become more mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray. God, we give thanks today for the season that we are in, whether it is a season of trial or coming out of a trial, or maybe in the face of a challenge to come. We know that you're with us, and we know that your presence with us will provide a joy that is independent of the things happening around us. Work in us so that we may become more mature and complete, lacking nothing. Amen. Amen.